Eka as a company today uh, is in global relationships with the com- likes of Cargill, uh, you know, Copco, which is a Chinese company, you know, Kraft Heinz, uh, Unilever. So I think that's a high point for us. And I, in my early uh, part of selling uh, software product from Eka, uh, I used to go and meet global CIOs, and after hearing everything, they will say, "Son, here is the chocolate box. You go back to Bangalore." Uh, we can't trust your company to give us enterprise software you know so from there to be able to learn the trust from the enterprise i think is a high point for 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 me and for the organization hi welcome to startup fridays a weekly conversation with entrepreneurs vc investors and other folks who are doing significant work in india's startup ecosystem you can find a new episode every friday evening you can also find us live on instagram every friday morning i'm hariyar kali And our guest today is Manav Garg, founder and CEO of Eka Software Solutions. Eka today provides a comprehensive cloud platform for commodities and energy trading. When Manav started Eka some 18 years ago, there was no playbook for software product companies out of India. Today he is one of the central figures in India's software as a service startup ecosystem. He helped start SaaS Bhumi and this year a venture fund called Together to help Indian software product entrepreneurs benefit from his experience and network. Manav, fantastic to have you with us today. Welcome. Thanks, Sari. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so, just to get us uh, started, uh, tell us a bit about uh, how you got to start uh, Eka Software. Uh, what got you into the interested in the commodities business, and how did that uh, become Eka Software? And we'll go from there. Yeah, I think my my interest with the software world actually is very accidental. Uh, you know, as you said, I was trading in uh, commodities in Singapore and in Asia. and uh, after i from iift there's a group called gp group very you know known group at that time they hired me from iift day day zero job outside of india i was very happy my parents were middle class background very happy i was doing really well for two years in trading but then when i was trading you know i saw that all of us are using spreadsheets or even handwritten notes to build you know do our day to day task let me put that way and uh, with my exposure of visiting some uh, 100 countries you know meeting thousands of people across nationalities across the world i saw almost everybody is using some form of you know manual work so i had decided that we sh- there has to be way to automate it i had no clue that something that software exists at that point in time i'm talking about year you know 1998 and 2000 right still very early days of fortmill as you would remember so that's when i just you know after 2 3 years of further work i just left my job i said you know i have to create a system and i didn't know what the system was and then i called up a few friends from uh, from nit or rec in those days who you know i said you know i want to create a system what is the best way saying oh you have to create a software i said fine you didn't tell me what is software means hey saying software means go to bangalore that's where the early wave of uh, the old days of iflex that time the city financials days some friends were from there saying come to bangalore and that's where they developed something called software that's how i actually entered the software uh, industry and i left my job packed my bags and uh, came to india in fact i am from north india my as all middle class parents they wanted to be in in punjab or near punjab which is delhi so I, in fact i visited delhi bombay pune and bangalore but i found bangalore has the, is a is a best place for software people i met all the companies that i could through my relationships and that's how my trust with or the journey with uh, Uh, with software word started mm. uh, and uh, once you got going um, i would imagine it would have taken some time to uh, really pull together the kind of software that you wanted uh, what was the very first version of uh, this software product like what what did it do 
Yeah, so in in what we, what I did since I was uh, I understood the domain really well, so and I didn't know anything about the software. So we you know worked with in in Bangalore, and I used to travel twenty five days a month, and used to draw this so called now called user interfaces, but you know some design on on paper. So I had a four hundred page booklet which I drew actually, which then got converted into product design. So first version came out in first year because I was very clear about what problem to solve, how should a workflow look like. I'm using this terminology today because I'm more learned about the software now but back then it was all about okay this is how system has to look this is how it has to go a user has to go from one place to another so that's how we developed actually all manual driven you know drawn uh, user interfaces which then got converted into software and the back end design by the team in bangalore hmm. so uh, when it came out uh, who was your uh, first customer and what were they able to do with your software yeah so my first customer uh, you know i started this company by saying okay let me automate the commodity trading and within commodity also i was trading in coffee green coffee trading globally which bangalore is also big hub of by the way and i used to then travel around and talk to the green coffee traders around the world so the first customer was endera uh, louis dreyfus which is still a customer coffee company they were all european customers who bought the software because they wanted to solve the problem of understanding their uh, pnl at any given point in time so when the commodity price goes up and down and they ship across the world they want to understand where do i stand it's like a mini erp for the for the coffee trading so to speak which can handle contracts logistics supply chain and then give you the pnl at the end of the day and then you know i continued and as i met more people in uh, while i was traveling uh, you know i was traveling salesman you know you sit in front of people all the time and trying to explain what we are building and then we they said you know going to add other agri commodities we did that then they said metals and energy and that's how the entire platform become a commodity trading and risk management platform hmm so give us a, a sense of what uh, aka has evolved into today both in terms of uh, the company and in terms of the technology that you have built over the years yes yeah, so i have had a long journey in the in the software world or software product world and now in the saas world right so so think of aka as i would say two two part journey for me one is from 2004 to 2016 uh, 17 when we were uh, focused on commodity trading uh, and risk management software market focused uh, you know we had we had about 50 60 customers license based software that's how we started that's how we had grown uh, the company globally as well but as you know i started getting involved in saas bumi in 2015 15 which i co-founded as you said and i could sa- start seeing the saas wave coming very early on at that time the saas wave in sme was very clear whether enterprises will move towards it was not very very clear but i was ready to take the bet so in 2015 i decided that we will transform or pivot the company in two two cases one we'll make it a, a cloud cloud company so it's not a license or on premise software anymore second we said that we will make a more horizontal platform and that rather than just commodity so today we started therefore building in 2016 onwards a cloud platform for the cfo office so today aka is focused on the cfo office we have multiple products on a same platform we have of course a core product on the on the commodity trading and risk but we've also added a product on treasury management uh, the newest one is uh, sustainability and climate risk management uh, we're going to add another on fpnda which is financial planning uh, and forecasting so so we are looking after you know going after 110 billion dollars uh, cfo market which is behind you know digital transformation and given the way pandemic is i think we seeing a huge amount of success in in that area hmm Yeah. So, yeah, explain the the underpinning technology a little bit. I mean, now it's it's becoming a like you said, the horizontal platforms pulling together data and analysis from 
different stakeholders in the company and and their extended supply chain um so what does the technology uh, at uh, that makes the aka software platform what does it actually do so so what if you look at uh, i'll start from the business and related to the technology so what happens if you look at this the office of the cfo uh, we go after enterprise market right so the cfo office has a treasurer they have a, a risk manager uh, they have a financial controller uh, they have uh, for person for reporting investor relationships so we cover the solution for all these roles and uh, under these roles we are looking at uh, uh, and various applications which can help them automate their workflows and give them you know analytics to manage their business now what happens is that uh, the underlying technology this is a, is a cloud technology so it's an architecture which includes uh, you know at the very basis is a it a data layer which brings the data in uh, followed by the entire workflow engine uh, it has analytic engine it has a user interface and then apps which deliver the user experience to the end user okay so so if you look at the office of the cfo you know we'll go after the enterprise market and the office of the cfo has a treasurer he has a risk manager they have a financial controller revenue operations uh, and they have uh, you know a kind of order to cash so we go after all those roles what we give them is an applications which can help them a manage their day to day workflows for example if you look at a treasurer he has to manage cash flow forecasting a liquidity management do I have enough cash in the bank should i borrow uh, how are my credit lines doing what is the risk fx risk i am running so we therefore enable all those workflows and also embedded analytics to give them an understanding that where and the next decision making has to happen so now to enable that the way the architecture work is it has a data layer which can connect to various erp systems and many other systems that they need followed by a workflow engine then entire ai analytics layer which can give them cash flow forecasting and many other things and then we have a user experience layer and then the apps which then put all these things together and therefore are able to deliver a workflow and analytics experience around the business use case that they have underlying platform is a low code no code platform which enables this when you like you said when you started out uh, cloud compute com- cloud computing was still some years away give us a sense of uh, Uh, what kind of uh, work you needed to put in to make the transition uh, to a saas company to a cloud software company yeah so that's that's a tough journey you know because your culture get embedded we were almost 14 years into the business and and we were a global company so so transition happened at many level first is the product level right so first we uh, you know our cto she was she was very good she said fine i would uh, you know take this challenge and i will start building a brand new platform so first was a conviction that we can build a platform not just simply lift and shift what we had into into a code so we started with a brand new platform we first built uh, the analytic layer the data integration layer the data transformation layer and so on and so forth workflow engine so we built all the components so so i that that was a product transition the difficult transition was actually on the finance and the sales side because what happens is when you a pivot the company from a license based to a, a subscription based company your revenue goes down uh, for couple 3 4 years in between when you are coming from a license based to a subscription based so that was one transition we did and the second was changing the culture of the organization right so now in a in a cloud organization the way you sell is different your customer service is different level you also managing the it infrastructure and devops and saas ops for the customers so these are three level of transitions we went through so culturally it was very hard for the organization because people who are used to working in older paradigm had to change and work in a newer paradigm altogether hmm and uh, what are the kinds of uh, initiatives you had to take to uh, 
take your customers along uh, people who are using it on premises how did you convince them to you know switch to the cloud model what happened there see i would say uh, luckily for us the the we didn't have to spend too much time on convincing the customer because if you look at the market also start converging towards that so from 2015 to 2021 today the cloud has only grown so actually in 2018 onwards i would say most of our enterprise customers started taking the decision that they will only buy cloud software and then you know pandemic happened of course it was very hard for people and employees to manage through that transition but customer is adopting digital transformation and cloud even more now at a faster pace so from a customer side we didn't have to convince uh, people i think the conviction was more required whether if akai is the company that can deliver a cloud software to them but they were very convinced that they have to buy the cloud software given that we have built everything brand new so it was it was good we could show it's a typical you know we can try uh, we can give demos to make you understand what we have done so so therefore the customer transition was i think was relatively easier i think the internal transformation of the employees were a difficult part okay uh, let's look at this a bit more from the point of view of your own uh, entrepreneurial journey uh, and start at the beginning what what really uh, got you into entrepreneurship why did you want to be an entrepreneur i think it is you know it's i would something call i think i come from a from a family of uh, in in punjab where all my cousins my family is all small into entrepreneurs they run all small factories you know manufacturing units uh, typically sub sub 3 5 million dollars i would say so even night out of iift actually i left my job with uh, with blues uh, uh, with a with a air conditioning company blue star and i wanted to create a small manufacturing unit manufacturing the hardware and sanitary ware back then in chandigarh we used to be the hub of that and then my parents of, of course from middle class couldn't afford that so they said no you have to go for higher study so i went to apply for iift so i always had that streak that i want to do something on my own i didn't know what and the uh, decision of uh, of starting this was very simple for me i didn't speak to any of my friends i didn't speak to my parents because of earning well i said let me leave my job and figure out what has to happen so it's it was as simple as that but i think the the internal motivation was just to do something on my own hmm how far back do you remember uh, starting various ventures did you do anything in college as well college i think it was i was from you know i said rsc which is nit now we did you know selling t-shirts and it was primarily very small small ideas that we executed but nothing of the scale where you leave your very well paying job and take totally risk in a I think the biggest thing which uh, I sometimes I don't have an answer is that I entered a totally unrelated area. Uh, though trading was also growing at that time, uh, software was just I think accidental. I just wanted to create a system and I just came to Bangalore. I think a lot of it was just plain risk taking. I would say. Hmm. And uh, looking back, uh, what do you think so far? Some of your biggest takeaways are in building Acre. I think biggest takeaway is that uh, you know one has to understand that uh, entrepreneurship is a is a long journey. it is it 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 has ups and downs uh, whether you are funded self funded bootstrapped whether you are growth stage even pre, post ipo pre ipo i think entrepreneurs will always have to live through highs and lows so biggest thing is that you know how do you normalize your life around that i think uh, it is it is as big as a journey for the company it's also a personal journey for an entrepreneur so that is my the, the first learning i would say that you know you have to sign up for a long journey uh, and you have to sign for sign up for the long term so that is my my first uh, first learning second second learning is that uh, the conviction that you carry has to be 
the highest of the highest order because they, you will find equal amount of people who are saying yes and equal amount of people who are saying no to your idea in early on it's very hard for people to believe uh, now the funding situation has improved but getting funding doesn't mean that people really believe in your idea many times even now so i think your conviction is very important and the third and which is i think the most important is just perseverance if somebody asks me you know what is the biggest thing for an entrepreneur i think it is just perseverance perseverance whether you know whether you are selling and ability to hear no 100 times whether you are fundraising people tell you no maybe more no's than yes uh, whether you are you know hiring people people don't join you so easily in the start so i think it is just persevering through the situation really makes you a great entrepreneur over over longer period of time Hmm. Do you recall your earliest conversations uh, with uh, uh, prospective investors? What kind of questions did you have to answer? I had very I I won't name them, but I had a very funny experiences on. See, I I started the company just after the dot com bust, and I started without any background from either ITIM in India or coming from software world. So when I approach institutional investors in India and in Asia. the biggest feedback to me is that how do we trust you neither you have any exceptional background that you are from iim or from iits or you have any previous experience in the field you want to start the business so there is no way we can fund you I mean, there is not, not any single historical trend that we can see to fund you so so i had those ex- those experiences where people will hear the idea and saying you know we like your idea we like you but we are not able to see any data backed approach here where we can really help you Uh, in any form because of nothing we can you know back to so so in the end you know uh, mr kirat uh, so i went to my employer the chairman of the company i used to work for i didn't know him personally at that time i was of course a junior most so actually he helped me he put in he said you know he heard my idea for half an hour and he said i'll back you with million dollars and let's get started so actually that was it started and that was a free chance i took uh you know because i didn't know anybody else uh, in indian ecosystem of course not i was in singapore and bangkok so i went to his office he was luckily free that day and he said fine uh, explain me what you want to do and and then he decided to back me that's how my journey with the, with the entire software world started in those days cap capital was very hard there was no angel investing as you know there was no vc ecosystem in india uh, now things are very different so those days were very very hard days yeah fair enough what has been the experience in trying to uh, scale the operations uh, so far uh, and give us a sense of that scale so see what happens is that you know the challenges i went in the first 13 14 years of building the company was very different right if you look at it uh, in 2004 no vc ecosystem no templates no product companies people were joining only software services company right so i had to go through i won't cover all of them but i had to go through all those experiences to convince people that means you take more time because you make more mistakes in in each of the areas of of product building to hiring to hiring sales people so i went through that journey then now of course you know people know me we understand what to do so thus it's relatively easier to build the scale uh, but i think the scale always brings a challenge if you don't invest in scale early on or ahead of the curve so my biggest learning for the sense of the scale is that you have to invest in go to market early on you know even uh, when we started building probably i should have invested in in go to market in 2017 we waited till now to actually start investing in go to market because we want to prove the platform first uh, so so that's my learning on the on the scaling operations is i think if you are starting today if i'm you know today raising 3 million dollar seed capital i would put equal amount in product and equal amount in go to market building go to market operations right from day one 
and uh, with the with a secular growth in the saas world you will get returns or the chances of getting returns are very high because you know there is a mass adoption across sme enterprises across horizontal and vertical uh, areas uh, in the industry so this thing i would do i would invest in 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 product team which is talent uh, very early on and of course and and then go to market as well hmm. when you're a small company uh, but you know you're on the right track and you may not have a lot of money uh, what kind of uh, best practices help you attract and retain really talented people i think there there are two parts to the talent right talent if you look at talent uh, you know this is a, this is a common saying right people leave their bosses or managers they don't leave companies right so i think uh, if you are able to show the growth to the to the people who are coming in be very honest with them and understand their motivations i think you'll be able to build a very good team a lot of time you know uh, the market opportunities are one of the biggest drivers you know if you look at even in india right we had a b2c wave a lot of good talent went to e-commerce then we had you know wave of uh, you know different kind of b2c companies now saas is a new wave right which people are generally convinced about now today if you ask anybody on the street i'm talking about software professional world and and investor community there is a secular trend which everybody is convinced about so you are we are beginning to see very good talent coming into the market now to attract them market opportunity becomes number one that yes you are the company that will grow and number two how do you treat them right what kind of composition you give them what is the general work environment how honest are you in relationship with them so i think it's your ability to relate with the people if i look from an entrepreneur's perspective it will be your ability to relate with people and really put them in the right roles at the right time the biggest challenge if 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 i have to see drawn my experiences that as organizations start growing a lot of people don't scale with time right people are not able to scale at the same pace as organization is growing so your ability to handle those transitions and then convince people that what is right for them is really really important i think that is the single biggest thing from a people perspective i would say let's say you hire head of sales or you hire head of marketing when you were 1 million at 5 million that person may not be ready to go from 5 to 25 in 3 years time you may need to then give him some role and bring some new talent to to help you grow from 5 to 25 so i think those tra- transitions can make or break your team and therefore your organization hmm so i guess uh, now you i mean o- over the years you also uh, played a very active role and you continue to play an active role in building the ecosystem the you know saas boomi and the community and so on so uh, so tell us a bit about the uh, motivation for uh, starting a together fund i mean i'm thinking that's in some ways it's a culmination of all these different experiences and in finding a focused way of uh, you know paying it forward uh, what went uh, into uh, starting together i think it it's a continuation of paid forward philosophy you know and 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 of course continue to use our experience as you said so it's more than culmination is continuation because you know i started investing you know into since 2015 uh, almost all my weekends have been going in helping entrepreneurs or brainstorming with entrepreneurs i would say sharing the experiences and uh, so when grish and i were working in saas bumi so we were investing on our own uh, and just about a year back we thought now is the right time to you know really give a shape to the product nation because most of the community in india investor community has not come from an operator background right uh, and they've done well they have invested they believed in all of us and they've helped but now it's time to come where the scale is coming and perhaps we should also help the entrepreneurs with money and not just uh, you know create an institutional flavor around what we have been doing as angel investing and helping them so that's the idea behind together fund that 
we are you know uh, india's first operator led fund very focused on helping the entrepreneurs thinking from the perspective of entrepreneurs so that is the philosophy behind together hmm. and you pull together a large large number of uh, you know fellow operators investors uh, do, you have, do you have an update on in terms of any start- startups that you have already invested in through together yeah so i can i, I can i can share some you know we announced uh, you know first of all yes we have something called a zone where we have also brought in 150 operators founders ceos cfos or cmos to help really uh, entrepreneurs when we invest in them uh, or otherwise also we are happy to help the entrepreneurs uh, in terms of investment we have made 11 investments so far uh, in the last 6 months i would say we announced uh, top line uh, which is invest which is a company which is automating the entire product led growth stack uh, primarily focused on sales efficiency churn management and bringing efficiency to the companies who follow product led growth stacks as a strategy uh, there's a, a healthcare tech uh, you know company which we have which we have going to announce that we have invested in uh, otherwise we have invested in you know a company which is in a b2b space looking at uh, a blue collar workspace automation of entire blue collar compliance space in india uh, then we have invested in uh, uh, in a company who is looking at optimizing revenue for you so there are many flavors of companies that we have invested in the last uh, i would say 6 uh, to 9 months now hmm. at aka you uh, talked about uh, creating uh, modules for uh, sustainability uh, and related areas uh, one of the things that i'm interested in is if there is uh, a slow or at least a gradual ecosystem of uh, vcs and startups coming up in india uh, tackling the whole climate tech uh, you know area uh, Would would you want to take a shot at that with uh, together fund? I mean, look for those kind of startups and back them. I think we could. I think it's a little bit early for Indian uh, ecosystem. I think uh, we are seeing a broad based growth in SaaS. I think climate risk would come, sustainability and climate risk will come. And I personally feel my personal view is that sustainable will become a much more broad space. Like SaaS, SaaS was in two thousand fifteen is what climate risk is today, but it will grow much faster because. Uh, we looking at sustainable fashion sustainable food sustainable living in a sustainable products uh, so i think it's going to you know weave into our life from all around so yes maybe as as a next stage we will look at it. even sustainable way of building the companies right even sustainable growth in the employees you know uh, i met uh, people from morpheus they are working right now on 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 trying holistic growth for employees as well so there are many people who are bringing thing like that i think probably will be ready in next one year time to get there but i think sustainability will become a full fledged secular trend is growing already growing extremely fast it will become extremely uh, fully secular i think another one year's time mm. in in tran- in the transition from uh, being the founder of a small startup to uh, ceo of a, a fairly large company I, what are some of the uh, uh, most important lessons that you had to learn i think the in terms of my lesson in, in running a in a fairly i would say mid sized to large operations right now is it's all about people uh, i think as an entrepreneur you should see how many people have stayed with you over a number of years i think that really you know for the right reasons not just because you know you're paying them uh, you know obnoxious salaries or giving them favors but for the right reasons if people stick around with you your ability to build and go through transitions become very easy so i think i would put uh, people as a number one uh, number one and top priority uh, for me uh, i think uh, second would also be people i think people are really important the third thing which i would uh, learning is the 
ability to read the market opportunities ahead of the curve. So with right people and ability to get into the right market opportunities will give you that growth curve that you're looking for or give you that satisfaction. Like you asked for sustainability, right? If you start today in sustainability uh, with right people, you will do something good, right? You will you will create wealth for, for you and your fellow team members, but you'll also do good for society. So I think these two things I would put on the top uh, of, of my learning. Mm. And uh, what do you see in yourself as the... Uh, big changes uh, as a, as a person as a human being uh, as well as a, as a professional i think uh, of course from when i started in my late 20s to now there's a massive change in uh, i think you tend to get a bit more patient uh, with the with the mistakes that people make you want so my learnings are very people oriented and market oriented which is what i just summarized for you in a, in, in a while back right so from people perspective my learning is that you got to be patient and you have to give enough room for people to grow uh, and and do not expect everybody to grow at the same pace as you are growing at or organization is growing at. So I think that's a big learning, which I was I didn't understand that depth of that learning in the in the first, you know, I would say decade of my running companies and meeting people. But now I'm very sensitive to that as to, you know, everybody will not grow at the same pace. You have to be sensitive to what people, mistakes people are making. So that is very big uh, learning for me on, on the people side. Uh, second thing is that if you invest in people, it pays off. When I have seen, you know, if you uh, have a focus that you believe in the people will do good, you and ultimately people will return that to you in terms of for effort, dedication, and the returns they will give you in terms of uh, or the commitment they show at, at work and in their personal lives. So that is, uh, so investing in people does pay off. It's a long term, it's more long term in nature than short term, but it does pay off. Uh, and and third being that you know nobody can beat the market this is my learning from the trading world and now even in software world also right you can always go wrong so you don't have to blame yourself for it you know there are a lot of lot many times when you fail for example we are discussing i am thinking sustainable to become a big market it may not become a big market after one year right or two years then the tendency of a lot of entrepreneurs is to blame themselves for why did this wrong and it's not about you it's about you took a risk you looked at the market opportunity didn't pan out the way you wanted to pan out so i think not to detach yourself emotionally from the idea and really look at from a holistic business perspective uh, is very important for entrepreneur to keep a stable mental state, I would say. So therefore, you have to work on your mental growth and mental balance as you build the organization. Hmm. I guess on that point about uh, not blaming yourself, I mean, uh, slightly related broader point is, I mean, and I've heard this from some of the other founders that I've had a chance to talk to as well. The Indian ecosystem probably is not still there in terms of what you all would like to call normalizing failure uh, or maybe even getting to the point of celebrating failure. What are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely right. See, the, the reason what happens is the moment you start something, your expectation from the investors are very high. Expectations from the employees are very high and expectation from the families also build up, right? Because you're getting funding and suddenly you are like a star, right? Funding is, is the start of the business. It's not the end, end of the business, right? So I think... Uh, you're absolutely right. So I think we're still a, a little bit far away from uh, achieving that even normal normalizing failure. I think for that, entrepreneurs have to be a bit more stronger. I think they have to be able to deliver bad news to their employees and to their uh, investors as they deliver good news. So I think the ability to set the right expectations for yourself and for your stakeholders are really, really important. And uh, and uh, and also, I think the investment world will also have to get a bit more mature about it. That if they're investing in 10 companies, you know, eight may not grow at the pace that they wanted to grow. It's just a 
the law of averages market opportunity is not going to pan the same way the teams may not deliver in the same way so i think uh, i would say we are a bit early in the ecosystem maybe in in few years time we'll start seeing that as well i think the my my personal take on that is that people have to make enough money when they start seeing that i think i think what happens is there a lot of pressure on the fund managers also you know in the past there were no exits in the last two years we are seeing you know ipo market has opened up there are exits in m&a happening so fund managers able to return money to the lp so they are also under less pressure uh, entrepreneurs also i am seeing a lot of second time entrepreneurs now who have made maybe million dollars 10 million dollars in their in the previous uh, stint and now they are building the business for the long term so they are a bit more you know rational and they're a bit more mature in the way they want to handle things and handle this uh, you know ups and downs in the business mm. and earlier on you briefly mentioned uh, the idea of how there are highs and lows and entrepreneurs have to figure out how to normalize you know life through all of that in practice what are some of the things that you do every day to to do that in your life see for me what has worked is i uh, i get up early in the morning uh, you know before my family gets up i get up at like 5 5:30 every day so i get that good uh, i would say one and a half of my me time where i am able to put things in perspective uh, number one number two i have this mantra that you know whatever happen i don't you know think i just sleep sleep over my problems basically if something goes wrong today it has to finish that day that's about it i am not going to think about it why it happened and do the lot of post mortem analysis personal at a personal level the next morning i will just have a perspective okay i was wrong or somebody else was wrong let's get a perspective and move on you know whether you are making mistake or somebody else there bound to be mistakes the question is what are the next next action item around that so for me this morning time and 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 and, and you know uh, one of the uh, reason i am able to do that is also i read bhagavad gita very early in my life uh, especially in growing up in small town in mumbai in punjab my you know my grandparents used to go to you know bhagavad gita sort of you know uh lessons in english uh, but typically go to temple and read bhagavad gita every day so i got to read bhagavad gita in very early days of my life and i spent lot of time uh, you know thinking through it and a lot of debates with scholars also in haridwar later on so i developed a lot of perspective around things uh, very early on in life so that has also helped me a lot uh, going through ups and downs and saying okay you just focus on doing work and and things will just pan out automatically in the end one way or the other hmm in the acre journey if you look back uh, is was there anything that you look back at as probably the the lowest point and then maybe you can also talk about what was your uh, high point and and uh, with the lowest point what did you do to get through it so the lowest point was i think uh, in 2007 we ran out of money though i raised million dollars you know uh, then i started investing in sales and we kind of ran out of uh, money and we had not raised any institutional capital back then so i just took a fundamental decision that i will i will not take any salary for one year so i so what i did was actually i never increased my lifestyle my lifestyle was very simple i used to live in a small rented apartment with hardly any furniture my wife was very supportive i got newly married but you know no new furniture no no massive car we just basic version of maruti we had so my lifestyle was very very frugal so to speak so that really helped me and i just didn't take any salary for for full one year and my wife joined mindtree and then she started earning so it helped me uh, you know go through that period but that was the lowest point uh, in 2007 you know when just sales was not growing and we just we could not do anything at that point in time mm. and so far what has been uh, uh, the best high point 
I think the the high point is the recognition that we have got from the customers. I think Eka as a company today uh, is in global relationships with the com- likes of Cargill, uh, you know, Kofco, which is Chinese company, uh, Kraft Heinz, uh, Unilever. So I think that's a high point for us. And I, in my early uh, part of selling uh, software product from Eka, uh, I used to go and meet global CIOs, and after hearing everything, they will say, "Son, here is a chocolate box. You go back to Bangalore." we can't trust your company to give us enterprise software you know so from there to be able to learn the trust from the enterprise i think is a high point for 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 me and for the organization hmm. you you talked about uh, coming from a middle class family in punjab uh, a few times through our conversation here if you look back uh, maybe even all the way back to your childhood and so on uh, what do you recall as uh, your biggest memories or influences that may have had a bearing on your career uh, much later on in life i think the the, the two two biggest uh, impact i would say one is uh, seva you know we have temples and gurudwara right so my parents my grandparents we used to spend so much time in just doing you know seva in evadan you know doing langar or or doing you know so called bhandara in, in we used to provide food to poor or you go and actually cook food Uh, and actually so that is uh, one paid forward so to speak that is kind of ingrained that's how you see saas bumi helping people whether we investing or not so that's one big impact on me uh, that has created very early in in my life and second is you know indomitable sp- uh, you know spirit of punjab even if you fail doesn't matter you start again you fail and you start again you just live through all your failures fair enough so a few questions uh, look at them as uh, rapid fire questions basically don't think about them too too much answer them in half a minute each uh first one is uh, tell us about uh, one piece of advice uh, you would give to an aspiring entrepreneur today that you never got yeah before jumping i never never and even early on never understood that you have to go through highs and lows almost every day every week so i think uh, the only thing that you know optimism and your belief in yourself carries you through i think so believe in yourself and just remain focused with all the noise around you that's the biggest piece of advice i'll give you, give to any entrepreneur now hmm. professionally uh, name one person who has left a deep impression on you so i think professionally of course i met you know from many big fund managers to uh, many people but i think one person who i have interacted very closely is mr kirit shah who invested and believed me also i really admired him because of and he is you know multi billionaire he is invested in four hundred different businesses i think one thing which i have learned from him is that his ability to understand the fundamentals is is absolutely top notch in any business he knows what are the fundamental things and his ability to read people uh, these two things really you know makes him what he is today and i think those are very very uh, you know key to success somebody to understand fundamentals of the business and and therefore they that's where the conviction comes right when you know fundamentally you in the right market fundamentally you doing the right things for people and for the business you will eventually make it so i think that has you know given me the most learning and also left a deep impression on me hmm. one product uh, that you love software hardware any kind of product <laughs> i am a big music fan you know i part time i do dj so you know i listen to music 2 3 hours a day different tunes so you know for me itunes now spotify <clears throat> there i spend so much time with them i just absolutely love Spotify now, uh, iTunes as well. So I just love which anything which can help me discover music. But right now, my favorite is Spotify. Okay. Uh, any book that you uh, keep uh, going back to, 
or a book that left an impression on you bhagavad gita i think i keep on referring to it all the times you know uh, you can't read bhagavad gita like a book but you can refer it many many times and each time you come back with a different meaning from it so i that's my all time favorite hmm uh one important uh, thing that you never start your day without uh, it could be an activity a habit a beverage anything never actually in a state without i think i like hot beverage so i think all the time the, the, i i come from coffee world so coffee or tea my wife loves tea but i i never started it without a hot beverage i would say really very rare i uh, and this one you 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 mentioned this briefly uh, earlier on about uh, if something goes wrong you leave it that particular day so uh, what's your favorite way of getting yourself uh out of a funk if you're feeling bad what do you do to deal with it music music so i have this song actually so so i have actually related my entire life to the kind of songs i have learned so as i grew i came from punjab where i used to speak only punjab punjabi right i like like from heartland of india as as uh, as punjabi as can get from there to you know listening different genres of music from english to different languages to classical music to edm rock pop so so i relate a lot to music so a lot of tunes can take me out of my lows Sounds good. Okay, last question. Uh, you traveled a lot. Uh, one city that you would love to live in? I think I I moved to New York in between. I love that city, but uh, the city which I have not uh, uh, lived in and I'd love to go to actually is Rome. I think it's I love the entire history around that uh, that city. So I would definitely love to you know experience that Ital- Italian culture in terms of food, their love for life. their art culture fashion uh, and the hist- hist- history that city has to offer excellent uh, one a wonderful conversation uh, thank you for making time for this and i definitely hope to keep the conversation going absolutely enjoyed the conversation hari nice talking to you okay that was uh, mano garg uh, founder and ceo of acas software that's it for this week's uh, startup fridays i'll be back next week with another episode wherever you're watching us uh, listening to us uh, i hope you're staying safe and doing well um, have a wonderful friday and a great weekend ahead